With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For one more beer for me, exile means quality, so savagely. Reaction Podcast, Iowa 27, Mississippi State, number 18, Mississippi State, 22 in a unlikely win for Iowa, unlikely in that the Hawkeyes had negative 15 yards rushing and they won. <laughs> I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I, I can't answer this question, so I asked it, I ask it somewhat rhetorically. When's the last time Iowa won a game with negative yards rushing? I don't know. Can't have happened too often. I'm sure that it's happened at some point in time, but not very often. Iowa also ran 51 plays to Mississippi State's 74. Iowa gaining 199 yards of total offense to Mississippi State's 342. Iowa actually had an even 200 yards of offense before they took their last kneel down, the last play of the game. Iowa had exactly 200 yards of offense last year in their win in the bowl game in New York City, the pinstripe bowl. Um, Very unlikely, very unlikely win. Iowa doing a lot of damage in the second quarter, 17 points. Long 75-yard pass play from Nate Stanley to Nick Easley. That was the first play of more than 50 yards against Mississippi State's defense the entire season. Mississippi State had the best defense in the nation. Iowa scored more points on Mississippi State than Bama did. Now, I'm not going to spike the football here. Iowa gained 199 yards of offense. Couldn't run the ball. Mississippi State did that to a lot of teams. And if you would have just given me these statistics, Iowa 1 of 11 on third downs, 199 total yards, negative 15 rushing yards, just 51 plays, uh, minus seven minutes in time of possession, two turnovers, if you would have, and Mississippi State with seven tackles for loss. If you would have told me those statistics before the game, I'd have said Iowa lost something like 31, 31 to 3, maybe worse than that. It goes on. Iowa's average third down, Iowa had 11 third downs. Their average distance to go was 8.3 yards. Unbelievable that they won this game. That's because their defense also did some work. Mississippi State was 5 of 17 on third downs. Their average distance to go was 7.5. Their quarterback, not a very good thrower. Knew that coming into this game. And when Iowa had that 17-6 lead at halftime, I felt pretty good because Mississippi State's just not a team that's built 
to come back and score points and, and drive the length of the field. Iowa's typically a disciplined defense that forces you to put together eight, nine, ten plus play drives in order to score. And I didn't figure that Mississippi State could do that if they were trailing and they were forced to go to the air. In those last two drives, they were pretty much forced to go to the air. And Iowa's defense made them pay. Uh, Jake Gervas getting a late interception when Mississippi State was threatening down near the end zone. Tip pass went through the hands of the Mississippi State receiver in the end zone, and Gervas got it. But that pass was tipped before it got to that Mississippi State player. I'm pretty sure of it. At least that's what it looked like as I saw it. I could be wrong, and if I am, I am. But Iowa's defense did a fantastic job in this game, too. Uh, Mississippi State, you know, they got six points off of uh, a near pick six. Iowa certainly scored a lot of points off of turnovers as well. Um, Iowa scoring 13 points off turnovers. Mississippi State with 17. So 17 of Mississippi State's 22 points came off of Iowa turnovers. That's a good day defensively. It's a really good day defensively. There's no bigger fan of the Hawkeyes than the staff at Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. Nick Easley, in his last game as a Hawkeye, eight receptions, 104 yards. Top the 100 receiving, 100 receptions in a career mark during this game. Three um, receptions for TJ Hawkinson for 43 yards. Just four targets on this day. Easily had eight targets. Four receptions for Amir Smith-Marset with five targets. Brandon Smith had three catches, six targets. Nate Stanley, 21 of 31, three touchdowns, one interceptions. That has him finish the season with 26 touchdown passes. The same number of touchdown passes he had last year. Uh, and 10 interceptions. So in two years as an Iowa starter, he's got 52 touchdown passes. 52. 26 in each year. And a total of, what was it? He had 26 and 4 last year, something like that. So 52 touchdowns and 14 interceptions. That's not bad. It's not bad work. Does he still uh, lack pocket awareness at times and the clock in his head doesn't seem to work all that well at times? Yes. Uh, there are certain areas that he can improve on. But, you know, he hurt his thumb late in the game against Penn State. And after, what, four, five weeks off, he still had his thumb wrapped today. Wouldn't be surprised if that thumb requires some type of offseason surgery. Would not surprise me in the least bit. To still have that thing taped up makes me think there's some potential ligament damage in there. Now, I'm not a doctor. But when I saw it taped up, that's the first thing I thought. I'm like, hey, he, he could have some surgery this offseason. And, you know, I'm sure he'll be fine. Hopefully he's, you know, if he does have to have surgery, he's fine by the spring uh, drills. You know, Steve Dace uh, made a comment during the game that, you know, Stanley and, and a few other quarterbacks should really reconsider potentially going to the NFL this year because of the dearth of quarterbacks available this year and how many good ones will be available next year. But I, I don't think Stanley's going to do that. Just a, inexplicable is a term that gets tossed around a lot to say this was an inexplicable win. It kind of is only because of how it happened for Iowa, the big play, etc. But um, it was a program win. Scratch it where it itches. 
tough football in the trenches. That Mississippi State defensive line may be, it's certainly one of the three best in the country. Them, Clemson, Michigan when Michigan was at full health, Bama. They're, they're in a three- or four-team discussion. Iowa's defensive line's pretty good, too. Iowa's defense, I think, was, what, 12th in the country or so? Mississippi State's was first. So um, Iowa's defense got the work done today as well. A.J. Epinesa in that first half, wreaking havoc. Had a sack, tackle for, um, a, a, a um, pass breakup when he tipped the pass that debatably could have been a forced fumble. And, and A.J. forced a fumble on his sack and caused a lot of trouble uh, that didn't show up in the stat sheet. Amani Hooker played a fantastic game. I thought Iowa's cornerbacks played well, too. Hankins and Ojemudia did a good job. Jake Gervais did a great job. Three passes broken up in this game. Um, all across the board, pretty good assignment football, with the exception of uh, the long pass that Mississippi State um, – had it was that for no, it wasn't for a touchdown. They got it down to the one yard line, and Iowa's defense stiffened up and forced Mississippi State to kick a field goal. And at that point in time, it made it twenty four to twenty two. Mississippi State had first and goal at the one yard line, and Iowa holds them, a power football team, to a field goal. That's probably your moment of the game right there, because Iowa's offense wasn't exactly moving a lot. So that that's that's kind of you know it maybe won't be remembered as famously as the goal line stand at Syracuse back in what was that two thousand and six or two thousand seven I can't recall the year it was but that you know this is a bowl game this is you know I think that one should be remembered for a long time and I'm sure a lot of you will I'm sure Kirk will talk about that quite a bit after the the game is over um. You can see that life's a little bit more challenging for T.J. Hawkinson without Noah Fant. I had a friend of mine forward to me before the game. Some, he, he has some Las Vegas goomba guy that he follows for his uh, gambling um, habits. And I was reading through it, and the guy said that the loss of Fant will not be as big a deal and he went on to show these numbers, Fant statistics compared to Hawkinson's, etc. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. Fant's loss is going to be enormous. When Fant and Hawkinson are in the game at the same time, you have two safeties that have to know where each player is. And though Fant and Hawkinson are going to need help, the linebackers guarding them are going to need help. So, of course, I mean, it's just dumb. And Iowa, you know, Probably tried to look TJ's way, but he was covered up quite a bit. He drew a lot of attention. That 75-yard touchdown pass to Easley, Stanley's read, his first read on that play, was the um, single high coverage that he saw pre-snap on Easley. The safety that was over the top of Easley saw Fant motioning out to his side then the snap comes, and Fant was bellying out on the play side that the play went to. The safety came up, thinking the ball was going to go to Fant. Well, Stanley saw that read and threw an easy, simple 30-yard pass in the air to Easley, and Easley was fast enough to beat uh, the defender to the end zone. So that's what life without 
Fant was. Iowa's receivers coming up in a big way in this game. And when you look ahead towards next year, I think I think TJ Hawkinson will turn pro. So you're not really going to have dynamic playmakers, at least on paper right now, or in any known fashion at tight end. Your receivers are going to have to get the job done next year. Brandon Smith had a, a very he emerged a great deal this year. Amir Smith Marset, he has the wheels. I thought he played a good game today, his fumble and the return notwithstanding. Tyrone Tracy, playmaker, kept his red shirt, played his four games or less. Most of those guys redshirted. By the way, uh, Gersande I was, you know, other punter, he he was able to redshirt this year too. So, he'll have uh, he'll have three more years ahead of him. And Iowa's punting game has to get better. Just very, very inconsistent. Nearly cost them this game. This was definitely a field position game. And the punting uh, punting nearly tripped them up. I'm going to go see if I can find those numbers real quick. Uh, punting, punting. Seven punts for an average of 34.4, including a punt reception. I saw somebody tweet during the game. I wish I still had that. I apologize. I'm not trying to steal that. I'm just, I'll tell you it's not mine. When Rasseter tried to rugby punt and the guy plucked it out of the air, I was up 17-6 at the half, and then the start of the second half, you get the near pick six, they score a touchdown, and the ensuing kickoff, Amir Smith-Marset fumbles it, and their quarterback rambles for a long run. Or I can't remember if that was the actual touchdown there, but I think it was. Iowa had several missed tackles. What a game of back and forth. What What a fun game to watch. Game Day Prep represents everything that is special about college football. Show that you're a true fan by wearing your school's traditions. Get 20% off your order at gamedayprep.com with code BIGGER10. B-I-G-G-E-R-1-0. Game Day Prep for the true fan. 9-4. and four. Iowa's record is 9-4. and four. There's going to be a lot of you for whom that is not satisfying. And, and, you know, whether it's satisfying to you or not is, is not for me or anyone to say. Second time, I think, in the Ferentz era that Iowa hits nine wins on the nose. The other time was 2008 that also ended in a Outback Bowl victory. I think that was 31-10 against South Carolina. Looking at a tweet from Matt Benson, fewest rushing yards in a bowl win since 2000. Iowa's negative 15 ties San Jose State's negative 15 from the 2012 Military Bowl, and Wisconsin had negative 5 in their 2007 Capital One Bowl win, which I would have to go back and look at the stats. Wisconsin having negative yards rushing, and they won a bowl game? That sounds crazy. Was that the bowl? Was that the Cap One Bowl where the field was just an utter mess? Can't recall. I think that was Miami was in that one, too. Anyway, nine wins. I, I just I refuse to not be happy with, about that. Yeah, you can look back on this season and I wish they woulda, coulda, shoulda, woulda, a couple of games. But you know, does that mean they also win everyone that was close that they pulled out? I mean, those things just kind of balance out. This team just wasn't consistent enough in the trenches to put forth a running game that was good enough. To win 10 or more games. They made mistakes, uncharacteristic mistakes. Think back to the mistake first and goal at the three-yard line at Penn State and Iowa throws an interception when Stanley's trying to audible and hurry them into another play. 
Stanley missing a wide open TJ Hawkinson on a beautiful Statue of Liberty play against Purdue. Things like that add up. The offense just wasn't consistent enough. Your record, you are what your record says you are. I tend to believe that. This defense was 10 or more win or better defense. This was one of the better defenses of the, um, certainly the Phil Parker era. Probably one of the top four, top five defenses of the entire Kirk Ferentz era, which is saying something as many of those defenses are among the best in school history. So I, I think that TJ Hawkinson will turn pro. I'm not sure about Anthony Nelson. I think that he's, I, I would say, 40, 60 coming back. Amani Hooker, now he's got a decision to make, but at the position he plays, it's you don't oftentimes see that. But we'll have those things to talk about in the coming weeks. But, man, I was reminded today during the game of just sitting back and enjoying the ride. You know, we, we tune in. Why do we tune in and watch these games? I mean, it's not work, per se. For, for, most, for those of you listening, it's not work. Um, it's not your job. It's a distraction. It's entertainment. And it's something that you place some value in to tune in to watch. It wasn't super negative today in the feed, but certainly through the years, um, when I would lose as a game or as losing a game, things turn really negative. And I just sit back and wonder, you know, what's the point? What's, what's the point of, of working yourself into that type of lather to get so emotionally sideways over something you have no impact on and something you tune into for enjoyment? Maybe some of you enjoy getting angry. I don't know. I, I don't. I enjoy sitting back and watching things unfold. It's unscripted drama. It's competition. And the thrill of victory is enjoyable. The agony of defeat is not but it's a part of it and it's sports and that's why we enjoy it so much and it's why i've enjoyed doing these things through the years and this instant reaction podcast mostly i have enjoyed it's not really all that fun to come and do it when um after i was lost a game or a tough game and and the the negative tweets are raining down and there's nothing but negativity all around you you know some of you who follow me on twitter have probably seen some of those rants from me in the last few months it's really kind of uh, worn me out frankly the negativity but by and large these things this podcast this instant reaction podcast has been mostly therapeutic and i enjoy the the spoken word the form of it don't always do it right others do it better this is just me and how I do it. And I, I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning into these through the years. Really appreciate that. Appreciate the support that you've provided um, to me vis-a-vis Hawkeye Nation or whether it was, you know, when I was at the Big Ten Network for, what was that, five weeks? Um, the John Miller Show, Miller and Dace in the Morning, all this time. It's a day of reflection a little bit. Thank you so much for that support and, and the words that you sent along to me, either emails or tweets or instant messages or calls. You know, doing sound off with Zawa was one of the joys of my career. Um, got to do, I've been able to do pretty much everything I ever set out to do with regards to this genre. When I was 13 years old, some of you have heard this story before, I, I told my dad that one day when I grew up, I was going to be the voice of the Hawkeyes, and I was going to have a TV show on ESPN. But Grandma Miller, 
told me at that time when she was aware of those dreams I had, she said, you know, that's a really competitive field and you might want to try to do something else because not many people make it. And I always have remembered that. I've always kept that in front of mind. Not that, you know, I had a, a picture of my grandma with a circle and a line through it and carrying any negative feelings, but it's just a little bit of a chip on her shoulder. You know, most of you listening are Iowans, so I think we, uh, I think we all walk around with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder, living in flyover country like many of us have for a number of years of our lives. I always carried that with me and um, went to college to be a broadcaster. was fortunate enough to um, get an internship with an NBC affiliate in Peoria, Illinois, shortly after graduating. And then I left the industry. Um, just felt like it wasn't the most conducive for, for family life. I didn't even have a girlfriend at that time. Got into the energy industry in 1996, specifically wholesaling propane, did that till 03. Started doing the Miller Time email list to family and friends where I would comment on Iowa games, much in the way that I do now and have through the years. And Rivals.com was formed in 1999, the first time, the first one. And they reached out to me. And that was my introduction into quote unquote media or whatever it is that I do and whatever it is that I, that I am in this capacity. And I had a really, really, really fun run. I was able to do a lot of the things I always wanted to do. So I will always be appreciative and grateful to each and every one of you for your support along the way. And thank you for listening to this as well today and for all of them. That'll be it. Thanks for listening.